Welcome to This Isn't Working. I'm Tiffany. And I'm Sean. And this week it is Sean's turn to share with us a story from his work past, his work fact for the week. So Sean, go for it. I was struggling at first to think of what would make sense for this episode. And I decided on the time that I was being offered a promotion. This was probably like 2018, 2017. It was a while ago. And I was told in April in writing that I was being offered this promotion and it would take effect July 1st because that's when the new fiscal year started and then they also had the budget and all that good stuff. And so I thought, cool, a little early to tell me, but I was excited. So flash forward, I had to travel with my supervisor in that June. So right before the promotion was to take effect. And I remember it was June 30th the day before this promotion was set to take effect and we're out to dinner we'd been traveling all day and I was like, Hey, so what is my job title and what's my job description and also my new salary? Because I was trying to figure out like what additional responsibilities I would have in this role. And it was not a crazy promotion. It was just one step up, nothing. I wouldn't really have, it wouldn't have been too much different, frankly, but she said to me, I'm not sure if that's still going through. And what? Right. And so I was like, wait, rewind, run that back again. <sighs> and she said, yeah, I don't think anybody did the paperwork. And then her boss was asking if I really deserved it and oh. earned like all this sort of stuff. And I told her, I was like, you said this to me in writing in April that I was getting this promotion. So I'm a little bit confused, as you can imagine. That took about three or four months to resolve. And as you can imagine, during that three to four months, I was pretty upset about the entire situation, not motivated to work at all, did the bare minimum, and definitely had that turned around on me and was sort of like gaslit into thinking that I was crazy and, and that I had done something or whatever. And she said to me at one point, because I told her, I, like, this is two months after the fact, um, and the promotion still had not gotten through. And I told her that I was still pretty upset and I felt this was unfair and that I'd been lied to and blah, blah, blah. And she said, well, I know some people like yourself are really motivated by titles. And I thought that's not at all. what I didn't even know what the title is. (laughs) That's not at all what the thought process here is. I'm upset that something was promised to me that wasn't given to me. Right. I guess I just thought that it was a really bizarre situation and she had assumed that my motivation in that particular instance was just like getting a better title or something like that. Yeah, which is like not motivating at all for some people. No, and especially where we worked, as we've said in previous episodes, titles didn't really matter. They were arbitrary at best. They were rambling. My new title ended up being way too long anyways. Was that the one that ended with like and initiatives just like thrown on at the end? That was a later one. Okay. That was a later one. But (laughs) yeah, it was definitely one of those like run on sentence type titles or whatever. And it didn't, it was meaning, it was a meaningless title essentially. Yeah. But what I was really excited about was the additional responsibility and of course getting paid more. Right. That happened in July, as I said. It wasn't resolved until October. Oh, my! I mean, I I feel like maybe you did tell me this, but I don't think that I knew, like, the full timeline about it. That is wild. It was and, bad. And also just, like, not at all surprising knowing where we worked that, like, that's how everything went down. Not at all. 
And I definitely mentioned that in my exit interview, by the way, as a side note. Oh, I'd love that. But I thought of that story in particular because, as we mentioned at the end of the last episode, this week we're talking about what motivates people in the workplace. Mm-hmm. And it can be so many different things. I mean, what what is it that motivates – I can guess. But what, what is it that motivates you personally in the workplace in general? In general, for me, I mean, obviously, compensation is a huge consideration. Like, this is me exchanging – work is me exchanging my time for – money that I need to live and, you know, pay my bills and do things for fun and eat and, you know, all (laughs) the essentials. Um, So obviously compensation is a huge consideration. But for me, one of my big things is I want a good solid team to be working with because I am the like A plus student in a group project always. And so like I know that I'm always going to be pulling my weight. I want to know that I have people I'm working with that I can rely on and that will do their fair share and that we can like work together and no one expects me to just like carry things all the time. So I look for a really solid team as one of my like key criteria in what motivates me. What about you? Definitely compensation as the baseline. I think over the last couple of years, I've become even more compensation motivated where that's pretty much the only thing I look at right away. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just a result of where we worked and what we were doing, yeah. which we've you know, talked about endlessly and probably will talk about until the day we die forever. But in addition to that, I really value my autonomy and sort of having the opportunity to work independently as well as part of a team. I think naturally I'm just more of an independent person. I work really well on my own, but I still really like being able to bounce ideas off people or troubleshoot a problem with other people because I, I definitely don't have all the answers and can't figure out everything on my own. So uh, a role that offers me the opportunity to kind of have the best of both worlds in that regard is ideal. But really, though, I'll do almost any job if the pay is good enough, (laughs) (laughs) which sounds really bad. (laughs) This is going to sound really like cheesy, but I also want to believe in what I'm doing to a certain extent. Like, Right. At, at least the overall, I don't want to say mission because I want to vomit when people <laughs> talk about their mission sometimes, but I want to know that we're all kind of working toward a good thing that I feel really strongly about. So we've talked before about how we have been in higher ed for many years, and I believe in the value of education. I will say I don't think that like the traditional college path is for everyone, but it's definitely for some people. and. Um, better understanding those options that exist and helping, you know, what are essentially children, you know, like 17, 18 year olds figure things Mm -hmm. out. Like, I think that's really important work. And even if I'm not the one working directly with a student, uh, which I have done in the past and which I may do again someday, the fact that like we're all kind of helping clarify what is essentially like a very complicated system for people that need to be better informed before they decide to take on huge amounts of debt or go into a program that they're not really interested in or things like that. I think that's important work. I completely agree. And obviously my background and my educational background as well is in higher education. And so I am definitely really passionate about the field. And I I completely agree. There are many, many paths to additional post-secondary education, mm-hmm. you can call it. There's trade schools, there's community colleges, there's online schooling. There's, there's a ton of different options. So 
maybe a traditional brick and mortar four year college experience isn't right for everybody. And not everybody wants that. And that's totally fine. And I'm really passionate about higher education and what it can do for people. But I, I do completely agree with you that it, it, is, it helps a lot to have something you're really motivated about. Yeah. And so when I look for new roles or the job landscape, even if I don't work at a university, which I don't, neither of us do anymore, uh-huh. uh, we still work in like the higher education space or yeah. the higher education adjacent space, which is where we want to be because there's more money in it anyways to, to not work directly at a university. Definitely, depending on, you know, like what you do at an institution, there is more money in the higher education adjacent uh, area. Certainly for, sure. for what we've done and our experience, where we've been and where we are, right. that is 100% the case. Um, but yeah, I still I still believe in the work that my organization does and how like I contribute to that in the way mm-hmm. that I do. So I I have worked places where I'm like, I am a cog in a machine. I do not love this. I am making no difference to anyone anywhere. Like I don't need to be the superhero or anything all by myself but I want to know that like overall what's happening is something that I think is a good thing so I I find you know the quote-unquote mission or purpose broadly and not in a vomity kind of way motivating as well (laughs) that's that's a good point because I think it's fair to acknowledge that sometimes a job is just a job and you might be getting other things out of it benefits um, you know health insurance whatever kind of benefits for you and your family are really helpful and hugely motivating as well. I know that when I look at the benefits, I really just want there to be health insurance and a retirement plan. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I want. Uh, there's so, and we've talked about other like benefits and things that organizations can offer, but for some people, let's just put this out there. Most 99% of people work because they have to, and they need money mm-hmm. to pay their bills to live. I would say there's a small number of people who work, who don't have to, for financial reasons, I mean, who do because they need something to do. Maybe they're like semi-retired and they enjoy working 20 hours a week. Oh, yeah. Maybe their spouse earns a plenty living for them and more, uh, but they work just to work. So that aside, I mean, I'm going to go out on a limb here and assume that baseline, most people are motivated by the money they get in exchange for their time and labor. Yeah. But there are very there's there's additional very real motivations. I heard somebody say not that long ago that one of the reasons they were leaving their job where they were paid pretty well, they had great PTO and other kind of benefits and you know, didn't didn't hate hate it, but they started to hate it because their actual supervisor was not really involved in their work whatsoever. And they met like once a week for 30 minutes. And that was kind of the extent of it, Mm. but also just the lack of acknowledgement and sort of like, thanks for like throwing around a thank you would have gone a long way in that situation, but it didn't happen ever. And so that person left, they found a job and left. And that was the, that was the end of it. And, and again, it wasn't the, necessarily the pay it wasn't necessarily the benefits although i'm sure you can find better pay and better benefits anywhere and realistically you should routinely look for a job even if you're happy where you are like every three to six months you should be you know keeping an eye on the the playing field yeah it's a good idea to know what's out there of course but there are for sure other things that motivate people 
in it aside from and or in addition to just compensation. So like you said, you know, being passionate about your work in some capacity, my me, me with the autonomy thing and the independence, but sometimes it's just simpler things like a thank you from your supervisor, which is really sad to think about that, you know, if you don't get that, you might leave. The lack yeah. of appreciation, the lack of acknowledgement, the lack of belonging you might feel in a workplace. Yeah. And I've seen some chatter online, um, social media, Reddit, things like that, where um, the sort of like cynical view of that is like, well, you're being compensated, you're being paid, like you shouldn't have to be thanked. But that's like, that's really not fair. I mean, in any relationship you have in your life, it's a give and take. Even if there's like an established situation in in terms of a job or just like your friends, you do each other favors, you, you know, you're there when uh, someone needs to talk or anything like that. All of that is just kind of understood. But just because you're my friend doesn't mean I'm not going to say thank you for being thoughtful and remembering, you know, that I was having a stressful time this week and checking in on me. Like it's you still say those things because it's part of human interaction. So like, yes, okay, you are trading your time for compensation and that is the official agreement. But it's important also for someone who means something at the workplace whether it be a colleague or your supervisor or a higher up to say, hey, I recognize that you are doing a great job. Thank you for that great job. Because do you know what? They could have hired someone that did not do a great job. And so it it is still of course. important to say, you know, please and thank you in the workplace. I feel like we shouldn't have to beg for that. No, and I guarantee that if you flip that, like if you came into work with a really bad attitude, uh, or we're just like impolite or rude or disrespectful in some capacity, then your supervisor would have words for you about that. Oh, yeah. You that know? would be like in your performance review or something like so and so comes in course, all grumpy. Which ultimately, yeah, and it ultimately impacts your compensation mm-hmm. and your advancement and all those other things. So I I don't agree with that mindset no. at all that like, oh, you know, you this is what this is what the job is and you should just do those things. Well, that's great, but you're also more often than not asked to do things outside of your job description and go above and beyond and do all these other things. So it's not crazy to think that your employer should be willing to do the same thing. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that, you know, as you were saying, sometimes that can be just a simple thank you. It's so simple, but it could really make such a difference, especially for the person you're talking about where they were like, this wasn't happening. So I had to bounce. You're right. And I, I actually had a supervisor once tell me you know, that they recognized that the current circumstances were less than ideal. Mm -hmm. They're like, look, I know things are difficult. This is a really challenging time. There's a lot of growing pains, blah, blah, blah. But I appreciate you kind of sticking through it. And it won't be like this forever. But I I don't have, and they were honest. They were like, I don't have a timeline for when things will get better, but this isn't going to be this way forever because we're actively working. And that one minute exchange meant a lot because I was like, okay, at least the higher ups are recognizing that, these things aren't going well. Yeah. Obviously, we've been in roles where that that hasn't been the case, but it really just goes back to that acknowledgement that we're trying to do a good job. We're human beings. Throw us a thank you or just any sort of acknowledgement that our work is happening. Remember our last role together where we just weren't acknowledged for like six months? <laughs> no, I don't. We like basically didn't exist. <laughs> Pretty much. And it's just, it's wild that 
we're even having this com- this particular part of this conversation because it seems like in addition to compensation that that should be kind of a baseline type situation yeah. but I guess not. I I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with employers. I mean, <laughs> some of them need to go back to kindergarten, learn like some very basic, you know, how to interact with your fellow humans kinds of skills. But I saw a post on LinkedIn earlier saying that people because of this great resignation, big quit situation that's still going on are more often than not leaving their employer, not for compensation related reasons. Um, that's definitely still part of it. Don't, don't get me wrong. Like people are definitely leaving to go make more money elsewhere, but people keep referencing like culture and toxic workplace cultures, uh, inflexibility, those types of things. And somebody's like, all right, well, I just quit my terrible corporate job where they were requiring hybrid for another job that pays more. It's fully remote. Everyone's great. I value the work more. That's what people are looking at. They're looking at careers and, or just jobs that value work-life balance, those types of things, because that's increasingly important to people, I think. So I would add, actually add that to my list in addition to compensation and autonomy and those types of things, a healthy, and, and I mean an actually healthy work-life balance, because I did the grind uh, when I first graduated college. I worked in you know way over the 40 hours of allotted work time per week. Because I was passionate about it, and I just assumed that if I worked hard, it would reap benefits, and it, you know, it very, very much didn't. Yeah. So I think people are recognizing that's not a guarantee, and and hard work is not a guarantee of anything, and and never really has been. That's just a lie we've been fed, and are saying, okay, is this job prioritized me clocking in at nine and then clocking in at five and not bothering me before or after those times? <laughs> Yeah, I think that's totally fair. And I, I similarly, when I started um, the job where, where we worked together, I felt like very important because I had mm-hmm. work to do after hours still. And I was like, this is my responsibility. It, it, it was a, that job was a, a pay increase for me for sure. And also a, like a title bump. Uh, so I oh, thought, right. ah, this is the life of someone with such a title, like I sometimes a big kid job, right? (laughs) Like sometimes I have to work all the way until five, as we've said, we ended at 430. So I, you know, and I was like, I'm very important. I have to do all these very important things. But really, it was just because as I mentioned in a previous episode, I was being tasked with doing my job, which I was brand new to and didn't have a full grasp of and also the administrative role that I had not been trained on really at all, but was still expected to do. So of course. It was really just that I was being like overworked and um, expected to do more than I had literally just been signed on to do. I've definitely told you this. I think I mentioned it in a previous episode, but my old supervisor's supervisor made it very clear once that I was the one choosing to do this, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. even though that's the culture that he himself had modeled. Yes. I probably overuse the term gaslighting these days, but is such a such a buzzword but he totally made me sound look like i was crazy for thinking that i just felt crazy after that conversation i'm like but this is how everyone works here and this is how you work and so i just thought this was the norm right but you're right when you get to roles where you might have like a bigger title and a pay bump you might supervise people you feel like that's the norm and so or you feel like you have to do that and, and that's part of just like workplace culture in the U.S. and in other parts of the world as well, as well, where you just kind of are nonstop with it. But it's really just not 
healthy. It's so not. people are saying, how do I separate things, especially in a world where things are becoming way more blurred? We know way more about the medical histories of people in like COVID times. Oh, <laughs> we so know much. like people are having children in the background of their Zooms or pets or whatever. And that's fine. I mean, I'm okay with it because I, I'm I'm very flexible with, with people in the workplace. Yeah. People are saying, okay, a lot has been kind of blurred to, to a crazy extent, even if I'm going to my in-person job. But how do I separate that back out again? Or how do I feel more comfortable taking time off? And then, of course, you have these like digital nomads, people who can work from literally anywhere yeah. traveling as they work their <laughs> nine to five jobs. I saw a TikTok the other day of somebody, she and her husband moved to Spain. They were like moving to different countries across Europe every three months. And she worked a nine to five job Eastern hours. And so she would work like, what is that? Six to two in the morning or something like that. Um, the craziest hours. Yeah. But she, she loved doing that because then they could live abroad anywhere they wanted. They weren't awesome. tied down to one place. Yeah. It is very cool. I don't know if I would personally want to do that. I love traveling and I, I love going abroad, but I, I don't think I would want to work from six to two just so I have my days free. I don't know. Maybe I would for a very short period of time. But it might be cool to do as like a, a trial thing, like do that for a summer or something, you know, because I also wouldn't right. want to move that much, like like fully move. Like I No, know, moving is terrible. That's a lot of work. But that's also like a huge luxury in of itself yeah. to be able to afford to do that, even if you're working a remote job. But it reminded me that there's a lot of jobs with these sort of fringe benefits that aren't explicit benefits, but you know, it's, it's kind of like a perk. So yeah. some people travel, which I, I got to do extensively in a previous role um, abroad, which I love doing. And that was kind of like part of my job responsibility, frankly. I didn't travel as frequently as I was supposed to or my job description said I was going to. And I remember you had a, the same situation where, you know, you were supposed to travel a lot and didn't, what, travel at all maybe? Uh, I was supposed to travel sometimes. internationally. And that's a big part of right. why I took the role. And I literally never did. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's just chaos, but so, but there are people who travel extensively either on the U S or abroad, or maybe work in an international context or get to interact with, you know, different types of people or, you know, their workplace gives them concert tickets or, you know, these things that aren't like explicit benefits, but are huge motivators for somebody keeping a particular type of job. You know, I'm thinking of people who work in the entertainment industry who, interact with celebrities or, you know, oh, those yeah. types of things, like these sort of glamorous type jobs that, you know, still work, but you you do a very cool job. Yeah, that's that's true, because not all of those would be like explicitly stated. And particularly if you're someone who is looking to break a traditional mold, like um, you maybe want to travel around or something to that effect. Um it may not be expressly stated. No one at your organization may be doing it. But if you work remote full time and you're allowed to keep normal business hours that mm -hmm. you normally would, even if they're a little wonky, if you change time zones, like that's a huge opportunity for people to um, take advantage of, not in the sense of like you're getting one over on somebody, but just like, hey, right. this is, you know, remote work means you could work from anywhere really or like I know people that will like uh, combine their side hustle so they maybe like mm -hmm. babysit or dog sit or house sit or something and they work remote oh, so right. instead of working from their actual home they just like spend a day taking care of a pet or whatever and um, they're able to kind of double dip in a way that isn't going to like 
negatively impact their primary work and that like their right. supervisor doesn't really have anything to say about it because they're still getting their work done. Doesn't matter, yeah. And if they had their own uh, dog, like my pet sitter does that. Yeah. Yeah. My dog sitter does that. She was like, can I have your Wi-Fi so I can work? I was like, oh yeah, t- totally. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. But she would just, and, and my dog's so low maintenance. So I was like, you can just chill if you're here. She's like, oh yeah, I usually just work. Uh, when I take care of somebody's dog and just work at their house because I my job's remote, it's like that's a great idea, frankly. And as a side note, something that we for sure need to talk about at some point is this trend of people working like multiple full time remote jobs. Oh my god! And yes. like, we need to talk about that because I keep seeing posts about it over the last week, and it's it's wild. But I guess that could be another sort of fringe benefit is you could in potentially have more than one full time job, and people are doing that to save money. Uh, pay off debt faster, secure additional benefits, whatever it is. But there are these sort of additional fringe perks that some jobs offer. Uh, One of my buddies in high school, or maybe it was like a summer after our freshman year college, I don't know, he worked at Chipotle and he uh, like got a shift meal or something. Mm. So like free food, but that's like a fringe benefit in my mind as well. Yeah. Or like food discounts or when you work retail or something, you usually get a discount or an employee discount somewhere. Like those are additional sort of fringe benefits and maybe motivating for some people. I know one of the, actually it's a huge, not a fringe benefit, it's a massive benefit to working at a university, at least most universities, there's usually some sort of tuition discounting or remission. Mm -hmm. So where we worked, people could, if they worked four years or longer, could get 95% off the tuition. So they're responsible for that last 5%. And then if their kid lived on campus, then they'd be responsible for those charges. Yeah. But that's a, huge benefit considering how expensive education can be absolutely especially where we work but there are these additional benefits so people might take a job for a specific type of benefit i knew people who worked at my high school or who went to my high school i should say whose parents worked there even as like in the as a janitor or something because they could access tuition i went to a private high school which sounds super pretentious very bougie of you i know i actually this is so sad i've never gone to a public school before in my life Oh my um, even God. like for How even did I for not... pre-k i went to like the ymca which i wouldn't consider like a public <laughs> how thing. did i not know this about you <laughs> i don't know my parents never i mean it just, well for college i had the option to of course but like growing up where i grew up my parents were like no you're gonna go to private schools because the public schools that i where i grew up were not not great you had to walk through a metal detector basically to get into them so they're like nah okay but anyways that's a total aside but those are real benefits that people are like, I don't give a shit. I'll go clean toilets if it means that my kid can go to school for free yeah. like, and get a, a top tier education. I would do the same thing if I were them and, and you know, earn that money. I think that's a huge motivating factor for people. Maybe we should call those like hidden benefits because they're not always abundantly clear. Yeah, I think that's fair. Even when I was traveling internationally, there were so many other benefits because I got to meet so many different types of people, have so many different types of experiences. I mean, one time I was on the Great Wall of China. Like that wasn't Amazing. in the benefits section of my job, but that was a an experience that I'll never be able to duplicate because it was such a incredible opportunity. Yeah. Because I happened to be traveling in Beijing. I used to travel internationally for one of my roles and I have like... First of all, I loved the work. It was amazing. Um, and I mm-hmm. loved that when I was traveling abroad and had completed like my work for the day, whatever it was... But I got to go to the equator. That was pretty cool and a really unique experience. I got to see the 
uh, Panama Canal. Like, I got to watch them, like, open the locks as, like, ships went through. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah. Like, so, yeah, I totally, totally feel that because, honestly, that is a big part of why I looked for jobs with, like, international travel for a long time because I really right. loved that side of things. I was like, yeah, okay, maybe sometimes I have to get up at 3 o'clock in the morning to make a flight to get across the world, but... Yeah. You know, at the end of that flight. That's a and at the end of worthwhile trade off, though. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And it wouldn't be for everybody. I acknowledge that, like, I know people that would never look for work like that because it's not something they're interested in. But it's some it's one of my hobbies. One of my interests is travel. And, um, you know, I've Absolutely. been lucky enough to do quite a lot of that. Uh, and doing it for work is very different than doing it for pleasure. But there is a, a nice balance to the pros and cons of each, I think. And I, I loved traveling internationally for work. Yes. Just yes is the short. I mean, I, I've traveled even domestically for work, which depending on where you go can be great because I've been to cool places like Denver and Boston. I've been to not so cool places like in the state of Florida. Sorry, state of Florida. <laughs> parts of Florida are great, but the parts that I've been to for work have not been so great. Yeah. Can't win them all. No, you can't. So, I mean, there's some not great parts. And there's also probably parts of the world where you travel internationally that you might not want to go to either. So I totally get where you're coming from that side of things. But there are definitely aspects of these sort of hidden perks that I think are really, really motivating for people to maybe even take like a lesser salary. Mm -hmm. And sometimes these jobs are just straight up up front where like we don't we don't pay well, but you can do all these other cool things, <laughs> which I mean, at least they're honest about it, but in general, that can be a huge motivator for people. These sort of not explicit, hidden type benefits or, you know, access you get to other experiences. Yeah. Or just like um, you were saying, some of them might not even be all that hidden, but they're just very specific. Like if you work at an institution, you probably get some kind of tuition remission. If you work in entertainment, you probably get to go see and do cool things. And like maybe you're working a shift while that's happening, but like you're there, you're experiencing it to a certain extent. So some of those may be hidden, some may be more explicit, but yeah, definitely can um, motivate people to take or keep a job if they really like those sorts of things. We've talked about this before, uh, certainly as I was looking for work um, after having experienced remote work, that was a huge, that was like a top priority for me because I found oh, right. remote work so motivating. And we talked a little bit about this last week when we looked at pros and cons of remote hybrid and flexible work options. But um, honestly, for me, being able to work remotely is hugely motivating because I love not having to wear uncomfortable pants all day. I love not having to <laughs> drive. I love being able to spend the day with my dog. But just like so, so many reasons why working from home motivates me on a daily basis even. Oh, same. I would actually, and I know we, we really did talk about this a lot last week, but I would absolutely struggle going into a fully in-person job i am not motivated i it would it would have to be a pretty motivating job for me to be willing to do that again because remote work is something that really that that goes into like flexibility in general for me and and having that as an option where it be like flexible hours or remote work flexible pto whatever that looks like i i really do think that for the rest of my life, remote work will, will be a huge motivating factor. I can't, I just can't see myself sitting in an office. 
No. I mean, I used to wear a shirt and tie every day into the office, and I can't, I don't wear that type of stuff every day. No. And I, I like purged, I donated a ton of clothes during COVID because I was like, I'm never going to wear these again. Oh my God. Um, same, same. Especially like pants because, you know, I, I wear like a, a nice looking sweater or I wouldn't go so far as to say blouse uh, every day, but I look nice from the waist up, especially if I have meetings. Yeah, yeah. I will really dress like I'll do a blazer and everything if I have something really important. But I, you know, otherwise I am rocking sweatpants and, you know, or just like anything every comfy day. because yeah. I honestly, I just work better. I don't have to think about, you know, like keeping my nice pants sure. nice around my cats and just like none of that. I just I'm, I'm comfy from the waist down and I look. Nice and presentable from the waist up. Although if I don't have any meetings, I will say, I told my friend this once and she thought that it was very funny. I, I say that I'll work ugly. Like I'm not necessarily going to like do my hair or anything. <laughs> like, I don't wear makeup regularly anyway, but like if I like haven't washed my hair or whatever, I'll just like pull it back. Whereas if I, if people had to see me, I would like, you know, I would judge a little bit, but I'd be like, mm, I don't have meetings right. today. So like I'm working ugly. That's a great point. Yeah. You don't have to try as hard usually unless you're on like Zoom all day. But yeah, I've definitely... Actually, I worked with a lot of people who were wearing like hats, like oh yeah, like baseball caps and stuff. And so I started doing that. I was like, oh cool, I'm just not gonna try it all then either. That's great. I don't have to like fix my hair or anything. But yeah, it's that's a huge motivator because you get so much of your life back. And I know we talked about this so much last week with commuting and saving money in that regard. But the mental aspect of it, I love not having to schedule doctor's appointments exclusively at like seven in the morning yes. when everybody else and their their mother's trying to do it. Oh my God. I scheduled a dentist appointment one day for like one o'clock in the afternoon. It was great. Yeah. And, and that really goes back to kind of that acknowledgement thing as well, where they're acknowledging that you're a human being and you're working to live and not living to work. And so you might have to break up your day with things. It's not like I have a dentist appointment every day. Right. You know? <laughs> But I think part of it, too, is that middle management during the pandemic, what have they been doing? Like their job is to supervise people. And especially for people who are micromanagers, the pandemic was probably really difficult for them because they don't have an insight into what's going on every hour or every minute. Right. Remember our when the pandemic first hit, our previous supervisor wanted us to send like what we did that day at the end of the day to her in an email? Oh, she wanted us to send in the morning what we were planning to do for the day and then in the afternoon yes. what we had done for the day. And for a while it was even, like when it very first started, when we very first started working from home, it was in the morning, send me an email with like your to-do list for the day. In the afternoon, send me an email saying what you accomplished and what you plan to do tomorrow. So she wanted an email at like, 4.30 p.m. end of day, like, what's the plan for tomorrow? And at 8.30 a.m. the following morning, what's the plan for today? That's the same information. Right. I haven't worked anything between now and then. Right. Which, a couple things there. First of all, she had very little ideas to what we were doing, which is concerning because she was the manager. Yep. Two, clearly she viewed a substantial part of her job as micromanaging. The microest management. Yeah. To, yeah. Granular. Granular level. But that is crazy to me. So I'm super motivated by supervisors or managers who are like, hey, run with it. I trust you. So not only was that indicative of her not knowing what we did or how we functioned day to day, if she were being asked for that information and trying to like get it from us and take mm -hmm. it up the chain, 
a good supervisor would have said, like, my team knows what they're doing. They don't need to be wasting time yeah. reporting what they're doing. And you just know that she was not she was not going to say that. But I feel like no. a good supervisor would have been like, nobody needs this level of detail. What they're doing day to day is what we hired them to do. And as long as, you know, the office doesn't catch fire and we're flooded with complaints mm. from the people they're supposed to be helping and working with, everything's probably going fine. It's pretty wild that that happened because it's, you know, some people might be thinking, well, was it for like a, was it, if it was at the business the beginning of COVID, excuse me, was it like a business continuity thing? She was reassigned from that job within like three weeks of COVID yeah. of us being sent home of like a, within a month, she was moved somewhere else because she was incompetent. <laughs> but the business continuity stuff, when they were like laying off and furloughing a bunch of people, that didn't happen till way later. Yeah. And we had to map out like what our jobs were essentially, which again, we have job descriptions that should be self-explanatory. It wasn't because nobody knew what we were doing. It's just so funny that these micromanagers still exist and th they're a huge reason why people are leaving their jobs. Mm -hmm. I mean, pre-COVID, I had a buddy who worked at this pretty large company and they always had a swipe in system. Like you swipe in, you swipe out. And maybe it's because that would be kind of strange in our world and like the work we've done previously. And it's not like a clock in, clock thing, clock out. Because these are like full-time salaried employees, you know, but they had to swipe in and swipe out at the end of the day. So their supervisor could review the logs of when they were coming and going into the building. I hate that. I had to do that when I worked at the bank. There were always supervisors kind of walking the floor in that call center. So even mm -hmm. if it wasn't your direct supervisor, as long as it was someone that occupied like that same level, you could ask them for help or get advice or information or things like that. And because um, you might not always be working the same shift as your supervisor. But anyway, some supervisors would say that you swipe in, swipe out with your badge coming in and out of the building because that was a massive building and it was a security concern. Like they want to know who's here, who's okay. not. Um, in case anything were to go wrong or whatever. And to a certain extent... I can kind of see that. Uh, yeah, I can kind of see that, especially living in mm -hmm. the U.S. and, you know, all the implications it's a bank. of that. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, right. So I could kind of see that. But then some other supervisors would say that it was, like, proving that you were working the shift that you were assigned. But we also had to, like, sign into a digital system on our individual computer when we got set up. So you had to be... Mm -hmm signed into all of your systems to take calls at the start of your shift. So it didn't really matter when you got in because that that building like I said was gigantic. It had like a it had like a cafeteria, multiple cafeterias. It had like because it was a bank, it had branches of its own bank like you could do your banking stuff. You could like go to work early and you know, order new checks or you know whatever you do at a physical bank. So it didn't really matter when you swiped into the building um versus when you signed into your station. So it was all just like very sketchy. And also there would be a whole influx of people arriving at the same time. So you would swipe to unlock the door. One person would unlock the door and like 30 people would walk in. So that covers <laughs> neither security nor, you know, like your schedule. So it, it really right, was. Right, because you're holding the door for other people. Right. Yeah. It really was. And who's going to be like, uh, 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 no, I, I swiped. I, I'm going to close the door yeah. now. You swipe. Like that is just, <laughs> that's going to take forever. So it was just very yeah, unclear. Not a good system. Like, what is the swipe doing? So it felt very um, big brothery. Like, I, I never liked it. That's sadly something that does motivate people, too, is to have that sort of positionality or that power, whatever that looks like, even if you're the manager of a call center at a bank. You know, people want to feel in control. I think people 
are extremely motivated to my original work fact by titles yes. and what that means. I mean, we had a supervisor who was very motivated exclusively almost by titles, power and positionality, because she'd always be like, oh, I had a meeting with so-and-so. Oh, and yeah. She like was such a name dropper. A higher level per- so, like someone in a higher level thing. So I started doing that with her and it, it would start bothering her because before <laughs> I reported to her, we had she had a higher title than me. But we did a like we had a lot of the same authority at the end of the day, if I'm being quite honest. But I'd be like, oh, I had a meeting with so and so because I knew that would like kind of grind her gears a little bit. And she used to always be like, oh, you're so lucky to have that kind of exposure at, at your age and with your title and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, Jesus H. Christ. People really are motivated by that stuff. And it's not that I want to like stay at the same level forever or like go backwards in my career by any means, but. When I'm looking for a new role or for advancement opportunities, like the title in and of itself, I don't really care about too much. Yeah, It's kind of meaningless in a lot of ways. For the most part, I'm not going to say every title is meaningless. Clearly, if you're like the CEO or CFO, like that's a title that means something across industries. <laughs> from my viewpoint, anyways, these sort of micromanagers, these middle managers, a lot of times seem to be very motivated by the power or the illusion of power that comes along with their role, especially when they're dealing with entry-level people or people below them kind of thing. Yeah, I totally, totally hear that. So let's let's flip this then. We've kind of alluded to these things uh, throughout our conversation, things that kind of explicitly don't motivate us. But I think for both of us, that like power positionality is part of it. Again, neither of us wants to be like falling down the ladder of our you know work and or careers but sure. um neither of us is particularly like this is my shiny new title with my brand new business cards and <laughs> yeah whatever whatever um so what specifically does not motivate you that is a fantastic question i'm very explicitly not motivated by work that i don't care about definitely and not even that i'm not passionate about, but work that I think is kind of meaningless. Mm. Like I recognize that all jobs have some sort of aspect of the role that you're not going to love. Yeah. That's just part of working. You know, it could be like administrative work, it could be doing paperwork, it could be whatever. If I like the job enough that I'm, that has no bearing on how I feel, but if I'm not too psyched up about the job in general, then that's super demotivating for me. Just basically having to do things that either aren't explicitly in my job title or a job description or that are becoming too much of my job, I would say. I think having somebody like the supervisor that we had that one time is extremely demotivating for me. People who play like office politics, people who are very concerned about power and positionality, that's very challenging for me. Like that, that makes me, because you end up spending more time dealing with that than than the, the parts of the work that you like to do. Yeah. Exactly. So that's really ex- extraordinarily difficult for me and extremely demotivating and really deflating because it's like, wow, I don't want to try at all. <laughs> I don't know. What about you? Um, I think something that really demotivates me is when like my input isn't considered. Or... Oh, yeah. Yeah. You yep. know, you know, Yep. you just you absolutely just triggered something in me. I yeah, sure continue, did. I can please. see I'm... it on your face. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that that actually, you know what, really quick. Yeah, that is actually probably my number one. I hate more than anything when decisions are being made about 
me or my job or my role that that I should have some sort of say in. And I'm completely excluded from that conversation. And I know this has happened. That's that that's happened to you as well, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I also understand that, like, not every idea I have or plan that I propose is maybe going to be something that could be implemented for financial reasons, oh, for sure. time constraints, uh, and like resources in terms of like actual employees that it would require to execute whatever. I get that. Mm-hmm. But um, particularly at the job we worked together, none of my ideas really was considered. And I put a lot yeah. of research, uh, thought, analyzing uh, into what I wanted to propose as a solution or a new process. And it just so often was not taken seriously or like, oh, that's so great. Like, I'll take it up. Oh, they didn't like it. Or like, oh, we just can't. And I understand, again, that's not, not every attempt is going to be a home run. But sure, the fact that like, that kept happening for years for like anything big that I did. Like if I wanted to make like a tiny doesn't really make a huge difference, but like maybe makes the tiniest thing slightly easier change. There was like all the support thrown behind that. And that was like, Oh my God, so great. So great. So great. And I think that all of that was just such a like faux celebratory show for like, Oh, well you did that. Yes. You decided to put the stapler in the other corner and that really changed productivity. (laughs) So that when I actually suggested something worthwhile in terms of like a larger strategic priority and it wasn't implemented it was like well but you had that stapler thing a few weeks ago so like you're really being taken seriously here which is so just infantilizing and not like it is i don't mind making those small adjustments but the fact that none of the like higher level strategic stuff was ever really considered or implemented was really demotivating because just like you were saying i was like well next time she asks for this report or this proposal or whatever like why would I why would I do it? I mean, yes, I am exchanging my time for the compensation and that's why I would end up doing those things, but I'm not at all motivated to. I'm just like going through the motions. I'm going to do all this work and I know that it's just going to be like mm, a pat on the head and then nobody's going to do anything with it. <laughs> yeah. No, you're you're right. That's incredibly demo. I mean, you and I both have had things taken away from us over our careers where we, you know, had strategic work or we had maybe more more than what was eventually given to us but that is incredibly demoralizing and demotivating because you realize that you can do the bare minimum and get the exact same reaction yep i totally acknowledge that some of my ideas were not great like i thought they were good and then i got feedback on them or like some obvious roadblocks i didn't like notice yeah and then i'm like oh that's actually a a terrible idea that's that then that happens so not every, like to your point, not everything's going to be a home run idea or whatever. But when things are taken away from you in your role and like the important, the only important stuff that you're given, frankly, or you're reassigned to different things or you're not taken really seriously and none of your ideas have any input or value, that's incredibly demotivating because you don't have to try. And nine out of 10 times, I would wager that you will get the exact same re- result on your performance evaluation. Yeah. There might be circumstances where if you stop doing those things, they'll be like, well, you're not really trying anymore. What's the point? You don't take me seriously. I'm not getting raises. I'm not getting you know promoted. I'm not getting additional meaningful work. There's no point. Yeah, that's that's incredibly demotive. Oh, man, you really 
really triggered me on that one. <laughs> it made me feel like, do I even know what I'm doing? Like, am I even good at this? How did I get this job if everything I'm pushing mm. for and working toward and dedicating my time to is not being considered or implemented or even like negotiated to a place where it could be workable? You know, I'm I'm not here to say like everything I put in my first draft is solid gold and we should do it exactly as is. No changes. Like I would have been willing to work on things to get to a mm -hmm. happy medium of something that could be implemented. But when that wasn't happening, I was like, is it me? Like, am I bad at this? Am I do I not know what I'm doing? Like, why did they hire me even? It really messed with me. And that's part of why, you know, we talked uh, I think in our our big quit about <laughs> how it took so long for me to believe in myself enough to look for other work because I had been putting so much into this job and just not getting anything out of it besides like, you know, oh, good, you put out the daily fires today. Good job. That's all. Goodbye. Right. That was our job. Yeah. Putting out fires, basically. Yeah. And so it totally messed with me because like it didn't allow me to like grow or develop or anything. Yeah. It just made me question, do I even know what I'm doing? Like what do I have anything valuable to contribute? And for a long time, I really felt like, no, I just I like I'm a I just put out tiny fires that the in that the mm -hmm. organization causes through like lack of efficiency or neglect or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that is potentially a little bit worse than that is when your feedback or planning and all that type of stuff is actively solicited and then nothing happens with it. Ooh, I mean, yeah. we've shared before that we both independently more or less wrote the same report that we were asked to report yes. on like the strategic direction of our office and nothing ever came of that. But even things that we were trying to be like less reactionary as an office about, they'd be like, oh, this is a, such a great idea. We don't have the budget for it. It's like, well, again, you do have the budget for it. You just don't want to spend it on this. Right. And that's okay. You're just lying. Just be honest about right. it. But that that happened quite frequently where we'd be like, oh, we'd love for your ideas or strategy or whatever on this. And then but it was all just you know, talk. It didn't mean anything. It was just like time fillers, basically. And I think most people can relate to that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I worked with someone uh, in a different office that um, he was like really motivated by some of the things we talked about our former supervisor being motivated by, like the very to us, the things that are more superficial, because again, recognize mm -hmm. that in different industries, a title might be really significant. It might mean a lot. Um, in our area, it really can vary wildly. And so it doesn't quite carry the same amount of meaning because it doesn't have the same definition everywhere you go. That's true, right. But he was really motivated by the name dropping, the important uh, meetings and appointments, um, the like just like looking busy. Like he loved that. It like it like drove oh, yeah. him so he this was when i i worked in a open floor plan like we had our little cubes or whatever that was Ooh, yeah. that was it um and he worked at various times because we we shuffled a bit here and there in the time that i was there um at various times he worked several cubes away from me at least once he was like right beside me which was like the darkest time <laughs> because yeah he wanted everyone to like know these like tedious things he was doing so he would dial out to make calls on speakerphone and then someone would answer like, hello, so-and-so's office with this title and blah, blah. 
And he would be like, oh, yes, hello, this is my name, and I'm calling about this very important thing. And then he would pick up the phone and have the rest of the conversation on the phone. No speaker. And it was so... That's crazy person behavior. It was so annoying. And it was like, I, first of all, I don't care what you're doing. I'm doing my thing. Mm -hmm. Please just do your thing quietly. And also just like generally very rude. Like we all share this space. So you have to kind of like maintain some level of workplace appropriate volume to be able to allow your colleagues to work. And he did that all the time. And I, I know because I know how he was that it was just like, hear me placing this call. I'm talking to a community organizer or just whatever. And it, uh, yeah, that's like, that man's a chaos golly. Like that's absolute <laughs> absurd behavior. <laughs> really? That's, was. that's like sociopath behavior. Like that, that's, we had a suit. That's the supervisor we've been talking about. Yeah. I, she would do stuff like that. She would talk at like full volume in her office with the door with the door closed but like if you recall she had like a 40 foot gap yeah. between the bottom of the door and the floor <laughs> that like she wanted to get fixed for so long but never did the floor so, was so crooked. it was like it was so bad no yeah, joke you, it was probably like four inches of like gap these were not optimal working no. conditions by any means but she <laughs> might as well her door might have been like a cowboy saloon door at that point like it was just not blocking any noise whatsoever and so she would have these like full-on conversations also on speakerphone or over skype or zoom or whatever and the all the floors in the office were like that fake wood as well so it would like oh, reverberate yeah. also the vent do you remember the like hvac system and how like any sound that could have possibly been blocked by the saloon door traveled then through the vents into other offices <laughs> so i guess it just goes to show you that people are motivated there could be i think I'm sure, actually, that there are a number of things that we did not even list in this episode or talk about that people are motivated by. Oh, yeah. Just because we're not familiar with those types of jobs or what other types of benefits that people offer. What I would actually love is for somebody to tell me what motivates them in the workplace. Yeah. I mean, because it can be the littlest thing, like a thank you, all the way to like mission based work, which again is. Kind of a vomit-inducing phrase, but, you know, it is what it is. Definitely share with us what motivates you in the workplace, or uh, if you have some specific things like we had that definitely demotivate you in the workplace, feel free to share those too. Uh, Let us know if you can commiserate with us or relate, or if you have completely different thoughts, we're here for it as well. Don't forget to tune in next week. We drop new episodes every Thursday, so we will be here same time, same place, wherever you listen to podcasts. To subscribe to This Isn't Working on the platform of your choice and leave us a review so we can reach more listeners. Awesome. We'll see you next week. Bye. I'm not going to